In honor of National Women in Sports Day, just having passed this week on February 2nd, I thought, what better opportunity as I took a little social media walk down memory lane of my own personal journey as a woman in sport to talk to you about my personal experience, lessons learned, why I am so passionate and encouraging and supporting of women in sports and just a few of the amazing benefits that I've experienced personally and know that so many women in athletics have experienced as well. I'm Callie Youngstrom, and this is Keep Yourself Well. Last night, I get home from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'm doing a little work, and it comes across my Instagram that it is National Women in Sports Day. So this triggers a deep dive of me going through videos, photos. I literally found a phone video of a home dance tape of me dancing in 1999, meaning that I was eight years old in a pink tutu. And I really started reflecting on all of the amazing things that sport and athletics and being a female in sport has brought to my life. And if you're no stranger to the podcast, this is something I've brushed on in a few episodes, specifically my experience in wrestling, which was really, really a large part of my life, but it started far beyond that. So I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about my personal journey in athletics, what I feel like being a woman in sport has been like for me, trials, tribulations, challenges, successes, lessons, all of things, and just some of the general benefits of being a woman in sport. And I want to say no matter where you are, what season of life you are in, you can choose to be an athlete today. You can start today. You can be in a sport today. It is never too late. Like it is just now is always the time to start. So I kind of will give a disclaimer of, I am so grateful that my parents encouraged athletics in my household from a very young age. I am literally my mom. First of all, hi mom. She listens to every podcast episode almost immediately on Sunday mornings and always texts me after to let me know she's finished the episode. And again, I I mentioned last episode that my parents are the most supportive human beings on the earth. So yes, they are. I just gave her a quick call and I was literally like, hi, I'm about to record a podcast episode. I don't have a lot of time to talk, but do you remember what age I started like my first activity and bless Elaine, she runs downstairs to like my baby book and all my little books and backtracks to find out exactly what age was my first activity. So she's still texting me a list. So I'm sorry, mom, I'm not replying to you because I'm multitasking. But um, my first organized sports and activities were when I was five years old, I started gymnastics and figure skating. And then from there, oh, and pitch ball, uh, which 
I think is T-ball. I don't remember that we called it pitch ball. So at age five, um, I was, which I think is kindergarten. I was doing gymnastics, figure skating, T-ball. And then age six, I was trying out soccer. Soccer was short-lived in my town. For those of you who don't know, I'm from a very small town of 500 people. Uh, so soccer just never took off. There has not been a soccer team as far as I know for ages. Maybe it's back now, but it definitely wasn't a thing that stuck around uh, while I was young. And then swimming in grade three, I remember doing swimming lessons. I did some diving classes um, and then wrestling started in grade four where I was the age of 10. So this is how it started. I clearly tried my hand <laughs> at everything and my parents were encouraging, but never pressuring, which I think is a really big gift. Um, and my brothers, I have two older brothers. They were really involved in sports. And I feel like it was part of growing up in a small town and growing up in a smaller community. It's really, I feel like what you did, it was a huge part of socializing. And there was like kind of this healthy pressure of everyone needed to play to have enough people for a team, honestly. Um, eventually, as I got into um, school, like elementary and into high school, which in a small town, it's all the same school, but uh, I was doing basketball, volleyball. I tried my hand at curling. Sorry to my mom. She wanted, she tried so hard. She loves curling. And I, I tried to love it for her, but I just did not. So there was fastball, volleyball, basketball, curling, track, wrestling, dance, everything. And really like basketball, I was in elementary playing on the high school team because we literally, there was not enough females to make a team. So you got lots of opportunity. And this is something that as I've aged and been able to reflect on my time in sports and having one, the financial opportunity to try so many different activities because my parents are amazing. And also being in a small town, slightly different investments and structures with some of these activities than what I see now living in a larger city and working with so many parents and getting a very slight introduction and eye-opening as to like what these activities cost, the competitive nature of like various different teams within the same sport in one school. And that was just not part of being in a small town. Everyone got to play if they wanted. There was always room for people on the team. And I think that really developed my confidence in a way that I don't know if it would have, if the competitive pressure would have been even greater having to like compete for a spot on the team. That is not to say I didn't take the competitive pressure way farther than it needed to be taken as an elementary student and high schooler, but it would have been just that much worse. So eventually as I transitioned into wrestling and got further into my sports, I was still playing basketball. I was dancing. Uh, I was playing fastball in the summers and I was doing like three activities in the evening. Again, all my choice. I loved it. I loved being an athlete. And again, there was just not a lot else to do in my small town uh, in terms of entertainment and activities. So this was kind of what I threw myself into. And um, 
Oh, my mom's telling me via text. Also choir and piano. Yes, short-lived on both of those activities. I was definitely not a natural musician, that's for sure. So I started to focus a little bit more on wrestling and fastball. That was kind of where my natural inclination was falling. And eventually I started to phase out some of the other activities because I was competing so frequently in wrestling. How the seasons worked out, I was able to balance both fairly well. Um, But then when I started getting into higher level competition, like at the national level and um, like Western Canada games and things like that, it, it did become very difficult to balance. So I kind of put most of my focus on wrestling, but I was able to continue playing fastball uh, and wrestle throughout high school. So my plan was always to continue pursuing wrestling at a higher level. And then as many of you know, I got injured and this ended up being a really crucial part of my journey personally, because it led me to bodybuilding. Now, this is where for the first time in my life, I was no longer training as an athlete. My focus became less on training for performance and function and just more on training for aesthetics. So I looked strong and I was strong, but I wasn't functional. And that was a big adjustment. And it really was a cognitive shift for me in terms of my relationship with my body, in terms of my self-worth and my self-perception, and even my relationship with food and how I perceive nutrition, because it, it adjusted my ability to see food as fuel for performance. It was this slight restrictive element and I had to be really detailed with it. I wasn't able to really listen to my body's intuition. If anything, I had to force myself not to listen to my body's intuition. So this was a very interesting journey and it was fundamental to me. And it was a fairly large part of my twenties. I started training for bodybuilding, I think at 19 And my final competition, um, my last pro show was at like 25, 26. So all of that time was very dedicated to bodybuilding and by proxy, very dedicated to my physique. I was constantly looking at my physique. I was constantly posing. I was constantly analyzing is this shoulder bigger than this shoulder, higher than this shoulder? Is it back more when I pose? Is this quad like, that's part of the sport. And I hesitate calling bodybuilding a sport um, because although it is competitive, it is so subjective. And that's actually a big issue I have with the sport of bodybuilding. I think that there are ways to make it more subjective, but they're not necessarily being implemented. I think at this point, it's very objective. Of course, there always will be an objective element when it is aesthetically based. But if you knew how the scoring system worked, it's kind of a wild card. So I went from, you know, being a competitive athlete my whole life, really focused on function and performance to transitioning to bodybuilding, which was almost purely focused on aesthetics. And then I had a brief stint powerlifting. which went well, but my body was just really burnt out. I ended up 
getting my first competition was a national competition and I managed to do very well and win and that qualified me for worlds. So I ended up going to compete in worlds my first year powerlifting and I just was not in the headspace to really keep competing. And more importantly, my body was not in a place to keep competing. It was really starting to get broken down. Um, this was again, like 26 years old. I turn 31 this month and I don't know if I've ever felt better. And that's really not an exaggeration. Even in high school, I had so many knee issues, joint issues, pains, injuries from wrestling. Um, and then into bodybuilding, it just all got so much worse. I feel so good. Now I feel strong. I feel mobile. My endurance is there. My strength is there. And most importantly, coming out of bodybuilding and powerlifting and kind of the more traditional gym scene that I had been in for so long, the training that I have transitioned to now, which is largely Brazilian jiu-jitsu and CrossFit with a little bit of personal yoga and running mixed in has just reminded me how incredible it is to be an athlete. And I used to talk about being a retired athlete or kind of like speaking in the past tense. I am starting to become very confident again, saying I am an athlete. And I, for a long time, thought that if I was not actively competing, I didn't deserve or couldn't call myself an athlete. But now I just don't believe that to be true. I train like an athlete every single day and embracing, re-embracing my identity as an athlete has brought so much positivity into my life that I didn't necessarily know was lacking. And so again, this was, you know, kind of all inspired by this walk down memory lane that I took for making some posts about National Women in Sports Day. And I was reviewing um, some previous posts I had made about jujitsu. And one month into my jujitsu journey, um, which what day? Oh, shoot. When was this posted? September 10th, 2020. I'd been doing jujitsu for one month. Um, so now we are into February 3rd, 2022. I will say there was quite a hiatus where our gym was closed for about eight months. I've been training just over a year total with time on. And so in this post, I talk about things that I learned in my jujitsu journey so far. So in just a month of training as an athlete, again, things were starting to switch. And a few things that I highlighted were the community. I have trained as an individual for so, so long. Um, you know, even wrestling, although there is a team, because I was from such a small town, it often was very independent. Um, you know, very few training partners, if any, at times, and like often just me working with my coach and traveling alone. And so I just didn't really feel like I had the team element in a way that I think um, people in larger cities got. So from that, going into bodybuilding, which was very independent as well as powerlifting, I didn't realize how much I was missing the community. I thought I loved training alone and I did, but having a built-in community of like-minded people who are there to support you and encourage you and work with you towards a similar goal is 
so incredible. And I said in this post, although jujitsu is a quote, solo spart sports, the journey is definitely not a lonely one. And I cannot express how much I look forward to going in and seeing the community. The energy is amazing. Having so many like-minded people in the room. Um, so that was one of the first points that, I, that really I highlighted coming back to training as an athlete after so long. Um, something else is that there's no room for ego. Uh, so in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if you've seen any of my photos, you can wear a gi or there's also no gi. So a gi is the kind of kimono outfit that you wear um, tied with the belt. And then no gi is often just like spandex leggings with a rash guard on top. So like full body spandex type of situation. Your hair's a wreck. You're not like impressing anyone with an outfit. You're not worried about what your physique looks like. You can't see anything under a gi. You're not training with a full face of makeup on or anything like that. Like there's just no room for ego and it's kind of this great equalizer and it just takes away the vanity of it. And I didn't feel that way when I worked, you know, worked out in the bodybuilding gym, it was very much so appearance oriented, obviously. And so that has just been so refreshing. It's not at all about how you look. It's just about performance and technique and growth and trying your hardest and, uh, you know, learning through embarrassment and learning to not feel embarrassment, I think has been a really big part of my journey as an athlete too. No one expects you to be great on day one. And one of the things that I love so much about jujitsu and martial arts, which if you listen to last week's podcast episode, Jesse Bolt and I talked about this a little bit, is that it is a lifelong journey. You are never done. There is always more you can learn. There's always more you can improve on. And again, I am so new into this journey, you know, to be uh, having only done jujitsu for, you know, just over a year in total. I am basically a blank slate at this point, but already the lessons I've learned have been so impactful. So um, it's been trying though, in many ways, like patience is such a virtue. I had left so frustrated so many times, especially early on. And I just kept showing up. Like I just kept showing up. And even now, and I know that this will happen a million times over within my future jujitsu journey, there are days where I leave feeling so defeated but I get home, I journal about it. I write down what worked, what didn't. And then I show up again tomorrow and there's no being embarrassed for not knowing something. There's no being embarrassed for failure. There's just showing up again tomorrow and doing your best. And I've been lucky to have a really positive relationship with food throughout my entire life. For the most part, even in spite of bodybuilding, or I should say even despite bodybuilding, which one of the reasons I personally moved away from the sport as well as professionally moved away from the sport in terms of no longer taking on competition prep athletes was because I really was seeing a large quantity of eating disorders and very strained relationships with food. And I that's honestly would be a great episode for another time. I won't get too much into it, but it was just nothing I wanted to be a part of. 
I feel very lucky that even though I had forced myself into very restrictive diets at times for the purpose of bodybuilding, it was nothing long lasting. I still remained uh, able to have a very healthy relationship with food long-term. So that was always something I didn't feel like I had to worry about all too much. But once I started training like an athlete again, my relationship with food changed for the better. So it wasn't bad, but there was just this little bit of room for improvement that I didn't even really recognize was there where I had been thinking about food more for appearance than just function alone. And again, if you follow my work and you know my approach to nutrition, it's definitely not focused solely on body composition or anything like that. For me, it is all about optimizing and it's all about longevity, but there was this kind of whisper still of really thinking about body composition. And I think that's only natural after having been so hyper-focused on it as a bodybuilder for so long. Um, I really started feeling like my body was my billboard. And that was a high amount of pressure that I, you know, was self-induced, but that I felt I had to look like that in order for people to trust in what I do. And, you know, obviously that is not the case. Um, people want to know I'm healthy and functional. And so if anything, I actually think that showing that on a keto diet and fasting and eating the way that I've eaten for so long, I can train to this level as an athlete, I think is much more impressive than simply looking like a bodybuilder. And uh, I have a better relationship with food now because I just am constantly reaffirming what is going to nourish me the most. What's going to nourish me in this moment? What's going to make me recover my to my best ability? What is going to give me the best training? You know, of course, there's room to just have fun with food. And I do by all means, but it is always kind of run through this filter now of what's going to be best for me when I'm putting so much effort into training um, and gaining strength and mobility and flexibility and the ability to sit back and, and say like, wow, my body can do that. Because when I was bodybuilding, my body couldn't do that. It couldn't run. It wasn't flexible. It really didn't feel like a healthy body because it wasn't a healthy body. And there were even activities that I wanted to do and didn't because I did not want to sacrifice the look of my physique. I didn't want to run for my cardio because I wanted to purely grow my legs to be as large as they could. I wanted to grow my glutes to be as large as they could. I would push myself through leg days crying because they were so hard and so miserable. And I would have stress about them all day long until I got to the gym. And now I am so excited to go to training every day. You know, of course there's days I'm tired. I, it would be easier not to go, uh, but it's non-negotiable. I know the days of week, you know, again, go back to the goal setting video or podcast. I know the days of the week that I'm going to train. I'm committed. It's non-negotiable. I have already made this decision. It's not a negotiation. I'm going unless I'm sick or, you know, something's happened. Of course, there's room for flexibility, but generally it's not a negotiation. I'm, I'm going to go. And I have just felt so amazed to see what my body can do again. And CrossFit's been a really great addition to that. Um, 
I never thought I'd be able to wrestle again because I, my body was so beat up and I have wanted to do jujitsu since I stopped wrestling in grade 12. It's always something that I wanted to do. And I had actually convinced myself that my body would never be able to train like that again, because I had experienced so much pain previously. So to now be feeling as good, if not better than I ever have training jujitsu and training CrossFit, doing movements, I never thought I would be able to do. I really thought I had sacrificed any potential to train as an athlete again, with how hard I was on my body when I was bodybuilding. And it makes me so sad to know that I almost gave that up. And I just will practice gratitude every day for what my body is capable of. But it was a long journey to come back to this. There were periods that I couldn't run. I could only do yoga. My lower body was in so much pain. So to train how I'm training now is so empowering and to amaze myself and work through hard things. It teaches me so much discipline and perseverance and resilience to know what I'm capable of. And with jujitsu, it's taught me a level of self-defense. Now, I always joke anytime the topic of self-defense comes up at jiu-jitsu, my first defense is to run, which is true. <laughs> like, I don't ever want to have to use anything I've learned in jiu-jitsu in my home or like, God forbid, in, like publicly in the street or anything, but I feel more confident running alone and I feel more confident on my own knowing that I'm at least better prepared than I would have been previously if, again, like God forbid, knock on wood, anything was ever to happen. And I have always said that I just wish every woman and just child, no matter the gender, had the opportunity to wrestle or do a martial art as a child, because I feel like martial arts specifically really taught me so many lessons that I've carried out with me for my life and a conversation that comes up with me so frequently with clients is, is how I really believe that being an athlete from such a young age and really for my whole life better enabled me to have a positive relationship with food because the conversation around food really was food as fuel. It allowed me to have a better relationship with my body because the conversation around my body was about being strong, you know, strong, being strong and like having strong legs and being muscular. And of course, being a kid and going into like, you know, junior high, high school in that transition, there were hard times where it was awkward. I remember how uncomfortable I was when I finally was quote unquote forced to wear a singlet, which is like the full body spandex that you have to wear for wrestling. I fought tooth and nail. I did not want to wear full body spandex. I was very self-conscious at that time. I got you know, teased for being butch by the boy and like just stupid, like kid stuff. You know, I definitely don't feel like it was full on bullying or anything like that, but it was things that stuck with me. And I remember debating quitting wrestling because it felt so masculine. And this is something I am so glad that I didn't give into because now I feel like this is part of my superpower. You know, the things that I was 
kind of alienated for when I was really young are the things that ended up being some of my, you know, biggest strengths as I've grown. And now as, you know, a very confident 30 year old woman, I love the juxtaposition of being in male dominated sports, but also having this very feminine side to me and knowing that I can do both. And I love going to jujitsu. And then after like getting dressed up and, and really feeling feminine, and I just feel like it's only further enhanced my relationship with self and self-worth and self-confidence and how I feel about myself mentally and physically. And it really, those seeds I think were planted at such a young age. And the reason I want to talk about this is because this is not a unique experience. So many kids, and of course, because it was, you know, women in sports week, I'm really focused on women, but male or female, just people, we benefit so much from sport. And I feel like with social media and like the growth of bodybuilding and the Instagram fitness world, and like the virtual fitness trend, we've kind of lost track of some of the real goals, you know, like the real goals of, of longevity and sustainability and feeling good in our body. You know, I had sacrificed feeling good in my body for like what should have been some of the best years of my life, like 20 to 25. And I don't want to say those years were not amazing. I would never, ever, ever change anything in my journey. I'm so grateful for all of the steps that I've taken because they have led me to right here today. But I was often in pain. I really struggled mentally at times with my training and, you know, I was sacrificing how I felt mentally and physically just so I could look a certain way. And at that time, I loved it. I loved the look. I was all for it. It was everything I wanted. I achieved everything I wanted. Now, when I look back, I see that person very differently. I see that version of me very differently. And it's not a look that I personally would aspire to. And when I made the decision to retire from bodybuilding, it was incredibly difficult because I had so much support. I, like I said, felt like I was my body, like my, my body was my billboard, but I, I recognized that I was not being the role model for the reasons I wanted to be a role model. And this became very apparent when I would get comments from younger girls on Instagram, like 16 and even under sometimes being like, you know, your body is goals and I want to look like that. And like, oh my God, like, what do I do to get my abs to look like that? And, you know, I perpetuated it, not necessarily intentionally. I always tried to be very transparent and talk about how I was feeling. I was quite honest about like, this is not necessarily healthy, kind of do as I say, not as I do. Um, I wanted to inspire people by working hard towards a goal and, you know, being a role model in a different way, not just for how I looked, but when you're sharing your physique in the way that I was at this time, you know, I think it's only natural that that does become the, the sort of role model that you're becoming. So I realized that I had achieved what I came to achieve. I, I had achieved what I came to achieve. 
I had reached the goal I originally set for myself and I was no longer gaining personal satisfaction from doing this for myself personally, as well as setting this precedent for others. I almost felt as though I was being irresponsible. So that was part of my my journey out of it. And now to be sharing something that I was so passionate about for so long, which was, you know, wrestling, uh, a, a martial art, to be doing that now with jujitsu. And I'm just so excited about it. And if I can inspire one woman to just pursue a sport or something functional, like that's so exciting to me. Um, actually a client of mine the other day, we were doing a checking call and she let me know she went to a kickboxing class and I was just so excited. And I don't care if it's martial arts or swimming or what sport I just have found myself as well as through practice with clients over the last 10 years, that the relationship with self changes when people are training for function, athletics, performance over just aesthetics. We're only human. I absolutely believe there is room for aesthetics and of course being confident and having a body that you feel good about but I think that is more achievable and more likely to be achieved when you have a body that you're proud of what it's accomplishing and again like I never thought if you would have told me when I was bodybuilding that I would do CrossFit and love it I would have laughed in your face I love CrossFit I love the challenge I love the things that I'm proving myself that I'm keep proving to myself that I'm capable of doing in terms of movements. I love the progress of it all. So, you know, again, this is personal, but this is all rooted in science. And there's actually a really incredible, um, incredible study that was, uh, published in 2008, um, called go out and play. And it focused on the effects of athletics in, in kids. I know that my personal experience has been great. I know that so many of the people that I have worked with over the years have gained so much from bringing athletic and functional goals into their programming. I almost always encourage some sort of competitive or more athletic goal within my clients and their training. Um, And it doesn't necessarily have to be competitive, but doing a 5k or trying a new activity. I love to kind of push comfort zones as well, trying a new class, you know, trying to take up a new physical hobby, things like that. So I know this anecdotally that obviously athletics and being a woman in sport has been so powerful in my own personal life, but I wanted to share a little bit of the research with you guys as well, because it really is just a non- argument, how fundamentally life-changing athletics can be. And a lot of the research is focused on children, but again, it is never too late. Again, like when I tell you, I started jujitsu at 29, I started CrossFit at 30 and I'm having the best time and you can start from where you are today. So there is this really, really great article Um, talking about sports benefiting girls in many ways. And it quotes a couple of published articles, specifically a 2008 study called Go Out and Play and a 2004 study called Learning to Play and Playing to Learn, Organized Sports and Educational Outcomes. And I love this article because it separates 
different categories of benefit through sports. So from physical health to education and just a few of the SparkNotes benefits that we know for certain about kids and young adults partaking in in organized sports, better self-reported health, mental and physical, fewer chronic illnesses, which we know for certain, higher body esteem and less likelihood of not only obesity, but also disordered relationships with food, stronger bones and reduced risk of osteoporosis, of course, um, and reduced use of drugs, alcohol, cigarettes. And I think that's so amazing because having sports when I was so young and through high school, such a vulnerable time, I feel like I didn't become tempted by any of those things. And who's to say, maybe I just wouldn't have otherwise, but I really feel like my sports focus and identity as an athlete really guarded me from those things because I identified as an athlete. I wanted to think about what my body needed. I had bigger things on the horizon. And so I wasn't, you know, really partying and I wasn't getting caught up in some of those things that maybe I would have been more likely to otherwise, who's to say, but again, the research states that the likelihood really goes down, uh, performance in terms of organizing priority setting time budgeting is shown to be improved by those who have done sports, better performance in school, lower dropout rate. And a lot of this is due to the lessons in resiliency. And of course, this is not accurate for everyone, but there's also a huge benefit in terms of what we see with adults in terms of social life and community involvement, socialization and social skills, if they have been a part of sports and specifically team sports in their younger years. So um, we're seeing that they are like better in a group setting and a peer setting. They're um, more community involved, more likely to thrive in specific career settings. Again, not to say if you are not an athlete, you cannot do all of those things, but just encouraging. I think there are only benefits by pursuing athletics. So as I always say, control what we can again with the physical health, huge benefit in terms of psychological and emotional health, higher self-esteem, better self-image, more self-confidence, lower rates of depression, lower rates of, you know, risk of suicide, Of course, it's not the only modality, but it is one more thing that we can add to our mental health and emotional health uh, toolbox. Something that I love in this research is the highlight of um, sports helping women to develop leadership skills, self-reliance, and discipline. So this was really focused on in the career category within this research because I felt like that involvement in male dominated sports and that kind of challenge that I experienced with the gender norm and like resistance with that ended up being so beneficial for me long-term. And I self-identify as a leader in, you know, the most humble way that that I can. Um, I think to be an entrepreneur and, and a coach, you, you kind of have to embrace that. And I believe that that personality trait and those characteristics within me really came as a result of 
those aspects of my more specifically male dominated sports. Um, again, learning to work as a team within career and everything else that comes with that. So just a few of the general benefits, but truly I can express how anecdotally I see this every single day and have experienced it. And it is just like how I talk about keto. I just want everyone to try it for three months or you know, hopefully longer, but try it once in their life so that they can see how good they feel, you know, for those of us who were athletes, but haven't self-identified as an athlete for a long time, or have kind of lost or let go of that part of us, or for those of us who have never been athletes, but want to, the best day to start was yesterday. The next best day to start is today. Um, I can't imagine what this last year would have been like for me working through personal things, just working through stress of, of life, all very good stresses, but, you know, working through stress of life and the pandemic and, you know, kind of having been more isolated, I I work from home, so I am used to that, but it was a heightened level of isolation compared to what I'm used to the community and the purpose that I've had going to jujitsu and progressing there and going to CrossFit and meeting new people and also being for myself, again, self-employed and often, if not, well, always working independently, but, you know, I have virtual conversations, but being forced out of my comfort zone a little bit to meet new people and create new connections and new friendships as an adult I really, when making this Instagram story post yesterday was so emotional, reflecting on the most incredible women and friendships and connections that I've made as a result of sports. And I honestly think it is the best way to make friends and connections as an adult. I met the best people over the last two years in jujitsu and, you know, this year in, in CrossFit. And it just has really deepened these bonds and brought these amazing people into my life. It's brought new mentors into my life, new role models. I feel so lucky that I was introduced to sports at a young age, that I was given every opportunity by my parents to try anything I wanted. Um, I know that not every person, you know, child has that opportunity. And so it's something I absolutely can never take for granted, you know, having parents who were willing and able to introduce me to all of these activities and support me and take me to all of these, luckily in in a small town, like we didn't have to walk far to get to most of this um, at a young age, but then once I grew, we had to travel for all our sports and, you know, it was investment for sure. And they just supported me so ferociously. I, it was just never a question, you know, like I was so supported in this. And so again, I just don't want to take that for granted. I know that not everyone has that. And also in larger centers, it's unlikely probably to have the opportunity to try such a wide variety of sports, you know, like I've got this list in front of me, gymnastics, skating, swimming, diving, t-ball, soccer, dance, wrestling, track, curling, basketball, volleyball, fastball, 
I quickly learned in gym class that I hated badminton. So I never got sucked into that, but you know, I, I know that's a really unique experience that I've had the opportunity to have. And I reflect a lot on growing up in a small town because I think that there are so many benefits that come from a small town and there are some limitations. For example, something that I always felt was uh, a small limitation was some of the lack of variety in high school classes. We didn't have accounting. I didn't have psychology. There were just certain classes that I didn't have opportunities um, to experience where in the larger centers I would have. But on the other hand of it, I had all these other amazing experiences that, you know, the kids in the city didn't have. So it's just been such a fundamental part of my journey. Um, You know, it's something that if I ever have kids, I would just be so encouraging for them to try, you know, as many different sports and ways of moving their bodies as possible um, and find, you know, find what's fun. And I think that's how we need to embrace sports and athletics as adults as well. Find what's fun. Um, So often when I begin working with someone who has a resistance to physical exercise, it's because they haven't found what's fun for them, you know, with again, like the social media age of fitness and, and bodybuilding and these influencers and like extreme weight loss and like the TV shows, everything. I feel like we've started to kind of get into our minds that exercise has to look a very specific way. And it's like running and lifting weights. Again, I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life and I don't lift weights traditionally almost at all anymore. Um, You know, in CrossFit, there's some of it, but I don't train like a bodybuilder anymore. And I think that my physique, it's one that I'm really satisfied with. I love my body. I feel great in my body. It's super functional and it's a variety of movements that are so fun for me. It's yoga, CrossFit, running, jujitsu, you know, things that bring me so much joy. And I really look forward to every day. If anything, I wish I had more time in the day to be able to do it all because that's how much it brings to my life, um, you know, personally and in terms of connection. So I will leave you with encouragement to try something new, to self-identify as an athlete and to push yourself to set a goal for this year that is based in fitness, function, and performance, and not just the way your body looks. That is all the time we have together this week. Thank you so much for being here with me. I would love to hear about your experience as an athlete or your goals to future identify as an athlete. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode every single week. New episodes come out each Sunday. As always, you can find me on Instagram. Don't forget to move your body, nourish your body, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. See you next week and keep yourself well.